Hi, I'm Jordan Mentor, and you're listening to the Brooklyn to Beijing podcast. Every episode elevates a new conversation around China and its ever-changing relationship with the Black diaspora. Welcome. Welcome to this episode of the Brooklyn to Beijing podcast. This week, we are joined by the one and only Nania Mohammed Stevens, an amazing YouTuber originally from Phoenix, Arizona. After college, she opted out of the traditional nine to five rap, which I usually call the nine to five to stay alive, <laughs> and became a flight attendant. Then, around February of 2019, she left. The U.S. and headed to Taiwan to teach as an English teacher, and throughout that time, she created a YouTube channel to sort of document her journey. I wanted to make today a great episode for those of you who are not only curious about the experiences of English teachers abroad in faraway places like East Asia and Taiwan, but for those of you whom stories like Nadia's stories of self-actualization, resilience, and personal growth. Also resonates strongly. So, on that, I wanted to actually introduce my guest, Nania. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you doing today? Hi, Jordan. Hello. Thank you. I'm <laughs> doing great today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on your podcast and to speak with you today. Of course, it is a pleasure. I think I did a pretty kind of sort of decent job introducing you to our listeners. You did, but I wanted, <laughs> but I wanted you to paint the picture of your life. Particularly in the months and weeks, or you know, I don't know how long the decision process was for you to decide to go to Taiwan, but just the lead up to February 2019, which I believe was when you made the big move, right? Like, why did you choose Taiwan? What made you say, "I"? Because I think you left from Arizona. You can correct all these all, all these facts in, in your response, but what made you decide to leave the U.S. and head east? Okay, so um, yeah, I'll start. I'll go back to when I was 21. That's when I recently graduated from undergrad, and、uh, like you stated, I just wasn't sure exactly what direction I wanted to go in terms of a career or a life in general. So I spent a few years after that just trying things out and trying to figure things、mm-hmm. out for myself.、Um, so as you stated, I did、uh, I did fly as a flight attendant for about a year, which I did. Love. I enjoyed that position a lot.、Um, the only downfall of that was I was essentially just living out of my suitcase, and so、right. that kind of, you know, took a big toll on me physically and mentally. And so from there, I did decide to go back home to Phoenix, Arizona, for a year. I, you know, lived on my own, had my own apartment. I did have a nine to five job within that year, and that was the year that I really just, you know, found myself struggling. Like everything was just hitting. Really hard, and I was just really eager for answers. I had that travel bug in me from flying, and you know, I just wasn't being fulfilled at work. And、um, so, within that year, I was actually doing some independent contract work as an ESL teacher online. So I was teaching、mm-hmm. English to kids in China. Um, you know, just really part time, just、right. for some extra ca- cash on the side, and、yeah. that was when a friend actually mentioned to me, you know, why don't you just go to China and teach these kids in person? <laughs> and so that's when the idea really was planted in my head, and it literally took me about—I don't even think it took a full day for me to be like, you know what, I could do that. 
And, you know, <laughs> thankfully, we have the Internet, we have Facebook, YouTube. Mm-hmm. So there were, right. you know, a number of resources available for me to do my own research, which, you know, kind of just amped me up and got me even more excited for the possibility of being able to do this. So originally, I did plan to go to China. But, you know, just after doing research and talking to people, um, someone had mentioned Taiwan to me. And, you know, I, I did research. I looked up about it. I found that it was a pretty safe country. The cost of living was relatively low compared to the states. And so that's how I decided to start off in Taiwan. So you said it was a pretty, seems like it was a pretty easy choice to leave. But did you have to make any hard decisions? Was there a family that you had to say bye to? Was there a partner? Were there people, you know, it's like, Regardless of, uh, of how exciting going abroad is, mm-hmm. we still create our own lives back home and something has to to give. And, 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 mm-hmm. and it's like it's always a tough choice to make that decision to say, you know, what, I'm going to leave you guys for like a year or two years or I don't even know how long. I'm just going right. to leave and head out to put myself first. What was that like? So um, I... The decision for myself personally wasn't hard for me to do. My, you know, saying that I always told myself, actually, my mom would tell me is, you know, worst case scenario, you can always come back home. And so knowing that I figured I really didn't have anything to lose. I was single at the time. You know, my job wasn't I wasn't taking a huge risk with leaving my job because I wasn't really you know, into a career like that. So I didn't have anything mm-hmm. holding me back. Got I was it. too young, didn't have kids, anything like that. So uh, initially the decision for me personally was not um, too difficult. But at the time that I did decide to do this, I still had about five months left on my lease um, at the mm-hmm. time. So when I initially told my family and friends, they, of course, I think it sounded a little crazy to them. They were always <laughs> supportive But I don't think they really took me seriously because it was a little, you know, far out from when I actually decided to leave. And so when the time actually came around where I was moving out of my apartment and, you know, I started to pack things up and I'm like, I have my ticket. Like, I I have to go now. (laughs) And that's when my family was like, oh, my gosh, you are serious. Yeah. 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 I got to go now. (laughs) So um, they were supportive. I just don't think they really believed it until I was literally like getting dropped off at the airport with my bags. <laughs> yeah. Did you have any contacts in Taiwan or was it sort of like this new frontier and you just had no idea what you were headed into? I did not have any um, idea what I was headed into. Of course, I had joined a Facebook group. Um, it was mm-hmm. by the name of Brothers and Sisters of Taiwan. So nice. it's a little yeah, Facebook group, you know, a little community that tries to connect um, minorities and black people on the island. So I had touch bases with a few people there, but I didn't personally know anybody. And, um, the people that I had touched bases with weren't in my actual city. So once I got there, I was mm-hmm. yeah completely on my own. Yeah. I remember, um, in 2014, that was my first time in China in Shanghai. One of the big reasons that I left and went there was, to just, I, I had no idea what was next for me, but mm-hmm. I knew I couldn't stay. I knew I needed a reset. I knew I needed the only thing that that can, not even to say healing, but the only thing that can that can create that shift or at least catalyze that shift is being in a completely different environment. So mm-hmm. I kind of relate to that where it's like the unknown in an ironic way becomes just as good or 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 even more exciting than the present, even though the pros and cons are, you know, are, are kind of like the same. Absolutely. 
So you get to Taiwan, you touch down, and you're a black woman in Asia, mm-hmm. in Taiwan. Were you, did you sort of like set expectations or was there like insane culture shock? Was it sort of a gradual process for you? Did you hit the ground running? What was Taiwan like as a black woman there? I tried to go, even though I did, you know, some research before I made the move. So I didn't go there completely blind, but I right. did try to keep an open mind before I got there. So I remember my initial thoughts when I landed, (laughs) Um, that was when it really hit me like, oh my gosh, I really did this, you know? Uh, (laughs) The moments leading up to that, even going to the airport, I felt comfortable. You know, I'm familiar with the airport. I'm familiar with traveling. So it didn't hit me until I, like, I remember that feeling when the plane landed. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm here. Um, But I did try to keep an open mind. So I didn't have too many expectations. And based on the things that I read about Taiwan, I wasn't, you know, there wasn't anything I was necessarily afraid of. Um, It was really Mm -hmm. just taking things one step at a time. I think what kind of kept me grounded was at least I knew I had a job. So I did have like, you know, point of contacts I could reach out to, you know, in the case of an emergency or if I just really needed something. Um, So that helped me knowing that, you know, there was somebody looking out for me. There was somebody that I had somewhere where people were expecting me to be. And so um, that was something (laughs) that, you know, made it a little less scary, but yeah, yeah, I just keep an open mind. Yeah, no. So as I said earlier, you know, and I'm just going to say this to my audience is you're a YouTuber and a lot of the themes in your content deal with self-preservation, self-love, putting yourself first and, and mental health, et cetera. Were you concerned at all about going to this new place and how you, or I guess my fir- I should ask the question before that. In the move to Taiwan, were you super aware about healing, about a shift, about exploring new chapters, or was it just like an escape for you? Like, were you intentional? Like, every day I'm going to meditate. Every day I'm going to discover this. I'm going to learn this. I'm going to, you know, just just to really mm-hmm. build yourself up. Or you know, how was the 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 every day for you? Was it sort of you're just going to go here to escape and be, or were you uh, intentional about? how you treated yourself and and loved yourself when you were there? Um, I did think uh, a part of me was going there to get some kind of healing or, you know, just have some, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess, yeah, some kind of awakening in terms of, you know, personal discovery and things of that sort. Um, One of the reasons I wanted to move there was to just learn a new world in culture. So I knew at that time there were a lot of things that, you know, I just was unsure of and I wanted to figure out, And I think, like you mentioned, I just knew I needed to put myself in a completely different atmosphere in order to do that. And so um, I was definitely definitely looking forward to that once I moved to Taiwan. Um, I I think looking back now, though, I still feel like I played it safe. Again, just going back to that, although I, I did make a huge move, I still made sure I had a job. And so my day to day actually wasn't. I mean, of course, the environment, the people, the language is completely different from what I was used to. But just that, mm-hmm. you know, routine of getting up, going to work, having your few hours after work, having your weekends and holidays, that was still pretty much the same as it was in America. And so I think mm-hmm. what I originally wanted to do was kind of just completely do like the nomadic lifestyle and like, go, you know, Taiwan here for a little bit. And from there, I was hoping okay. to go to China, yeah. Vietnam. Um, so I didn't really get to travel around as much as a, as I would have liked to. Um, I did kind of play it safe in terms of like a day-to-day routine and things like that. 
Got it. Yeah, I know some people they go to Asia and they're like on their eat, pray, love lifestyle. Literally. I wanted great, to do, great, but great. I kind of chickened out. <laughs> <laughs> Did you go to other parts of Taiwan? Like, it seems like a very beautiful island. It is. Um, yeah. The, so transportation is amazing there. They have, um, you know, trains and buses that can take you. Uh, you know, as far north and south as you'd like to go. So I did travel around Taiwan um, and it was fun. I think, you know, in that time I was excited to be by myself, but then sometimes when mm-hmm. it, it's weird because I moved abroad by myself and I was okay, but I was I, with having my own apartment and again, being able to find a routine for myself, I was still able yeah. to find comfort while being uncomfortable but i learned once i started to do kind of some solo trips that it was really bittersweet and i'm like wow i wish i could experience yeah. this with you know some yeah. of my loved ones so right, right um yeah yeah i think the point of it is is for it to be bittersweet i remember i did my um first uh solo trip even though i met you know friends out there Mm-hmm. A lot of the trip, I was alone, and I traveled there alone to Thailand. Um, and I did it around my birthday, and that it it was part of the healing process for me as well. And I wanted mm-hmm. to just go out there, and I kind of knew, okay, it's this is not gonna hit the same way as going on a group trip to Cancun. Right, <laughs> but you know, you can still find joy, you can still find um, enjoyment, and you can learn how to be with yourself, right? Yeah. And I think that's an important. Uh, uh, not even a skill, but it's an important thing that we all need to know how to be. Because if yes. we can't be with ourselves, you know, life gets really weird mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of being with other people or or our friendships or even relationships we have with our jobs or whatnot. It's like you got to first have that, that great relationship with yourself. So it's, it's great to hear you say that. Yeah. So in Taiwan, you did say you connected with the um, brothers and sisters of Taiwan group. I mean, were they, you know, was it sort of just like, uh, like an info group? Was it, did they have their own sort of like, we meet every Sunday, we do brunch here, we do trips together. Was it sort of like a family type vibe or, you know, did you connect with anyone from there when you got there? Um, so the group had about, I think at the time I joined maybe three to 400 members. So it was more so just like a, they did have some events while I was there where we were able to meet up and meet some people. You know, if you wanted to come yeah. out, the invitation yeah. was open. But um, it was more so just, I guess, a, a frame of reference for people there, you know, to have some type of familiarity, I guess. So, you know, yeah. it's easy for me to go into the group and type, you know, yeah. hair care, you know, things that <laughs> my coworkers right, right. couldn't help me with, you know, so little things yeah. that you, you know, you just needed help with, or they had, you know, some friends giving so that, you know, we can all relate. We're away from home. And if yeah. you want to come out and just, you know, get some food, you can be around people that, yeah. you know, can appreciate the same music as you, you know, just, right. you know, we, with our culture, we have our own inside jokes, our own mm-hmm. dialect and the way that we talk and interact with each other. So it's kind of just like a safe space um, for people. Yeah. So yeah, you, it was available to you on Facebook. If you just had questions or you know suggestions for yourself and then they did try post or prior to coronavirus there were some events that they had as well that we can meet up with people and um yeah I I did I went out to the events I met you know a ton of people through that group and um it was I think without those kind of outlets or as or yeah outlets available I think my decision Mm -hmm. to move abroad would have actually been a lot harder and when Mm, I came across those kind of groups um before I moved there 
you know, that was like motivation for me to be like, okay, if they can do it, I can absolutely do it. Cause it's one thing right. to hear and see someone else, you know, be able yeah. to make that move, but to see other black people and black women doing it absolutely yeah. played a huge part in my decision um, to move forward and do it as well. I remember when I was in Shanghai, um, me and my friend, we were walking and, you know, we're two black guys. We're walking down the street. We see this black woman walking towards us mm-hmm. and we talk and it's in, Ch- in China, in Asia in general. Like you see a black person, like you got to say hi. Like, <laughs> right. um, and she ended up being a party promoter for like dance hall, reggae, hip hop, black party. I mean, obviously other races are going to be there. But right. she ended up being a party promoter for that. And then we ended up going to like a dance hall party in Shanghai. It just, yeah, and then you get awesome. introduced to this whole new world. And, it, you know, it sort of makes, adds a new dimension to mm-hmm. being in a different society or being in a foreign country. So definitely understand Absolutely. that. Yeah. I know you talked about COVID, which is kind of like the biggest boogeyman topic of the year. <laughs> <laughs> but I just wanted to, before I, I talk about just COVID or the elections. I, I wanted to get a sense of your time frame in Taiwan. Like you got there February 2019. When did you leave Taiwan? I left July of 2021. So about three, a little less than three months ago. So I was there two and a half years. Oh, okay. Got it. Mm-hmm. Got it, guys. So you've been in Taiwan. Like a lot of your time in Taiwan must have been through COVID then. Yes, unfortunately, yeah. Uh, all of 2020, <laughs> I was, you know, all of 2020 oh and my God. half of 2021 yeah. was during COVID, yeah. Yeah. And I, I know Taiwan was one of those countries that actually took it seriously. No shade to anyone. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> and so it's like... <laughs> How, how was that? Like, did they, like, how did that affect you and your mental health? I mean, we know how it affected people here in the United States, but like, what was life like in Mm -hmm. Taiwan during COVID? I think it didn't really hit me until this year. It was so weird. It was like a, it was like a seesaw going back and forth. So I remember, you know, when we first started hearing about mm-hmm. coronavirus, we were actually on um, Chinese New Year, which is like, you know, winter vacation. Well, I don't know you're familiar, but it's like winter vacation for right. America. So it's at the end of January, beginning of February. And so I was actually in Bali with, you know, some of my friends and we started hearing about this pandemic and we're like, okay, you know, we were, oh, we were gone for two weeks. And just to see the progression of this, you know, from when we left to when we came back was just crazy. You know, by the time we came back, school, they had postponed yeah. the start of school for the semester about a week. Um, but I remember my family back in America was scared for me. They were like, you're still going to Bali. You know, what's going on out there? There's a pandemic. You know, they're talking or they're talking about this virus that's going around. And um, so my my family and friends back at home were more afraid for me. And um, like you said, Taiwan was on it immediately. We only postponed school for a week. And um, after that, you know, everything went, proceeded as normal. Um, And then, of course, a few months later, that's when lockdown happened in America. And Mm -hmm. so it was like, I was afraid for my family. Like, you know, it it was global at this point. And um, that summer, of course, I was definitely affected because I wasn't able to go home. I get two months off for the summer vacation. And um, so I definitely was, you know, uh, kind of affected by that, not being able to go home. 
because at that point, summer of 2020, I hadn't been home for a year. And wow. um, but I was able to make it through because, again, at that time, nobody knew that we would still be going through it a year later. So yeah, I figured, yeah. you know, let me um, we were still able to travel around Taiwan. We weren't in we didn't oh, have any nice. lockdowns in Taiwan. Yeah. So our day to day in Taiwan was still going as normal. Um, and, you know, I, so I just figured, let me take the high road. I'll be able to go home for the next um, winter vacation, which was 2021. And so it didn't really start to affect me until I think the very end of 2020 when we were like, wow, it's been a year. And like, this is still <laughs> a thing, you yeah. know, like we thought we would have been past this. So, of course, yeah. winter vacation. And it got worse here. Yeah. Literally, literally. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, this year, 2021, I did end up coming home just because at that point I'm like, if I don't go home, the next time I can go home is in the summer. And at that point, it'll be two years. Like, that's crazy. I'm going home. You know, everybody advised me not to do so. But I did come mm. home in January um, just because I needed, you know, I just, just, I yeah. needed to come yeah. home. And um, right. once I came back, you know, that, of course, I had to quarantine and it was a whole thing. And so I think from that moment on, that's when I was really affected by it. And I think in, in general, my time in Taiwan had really just I started to look at it different. You know, once I had come back, everything was just kind of different for me from that point on. And so, you know, I figured I would just finish the semester out, which I did in July. And then that's when I decided to come back. So why do you think Taiwan was able to handle it so well? Like, was it that they, they, were they allowing people from abroad to come in? Like, was was it like mask everywhere? You said no lockdowns and they still were managed to like have it under control. Yeah, I think the biggest thing was they didn't waste any time. You know, they heard about Mm -hmm. it, you know, going on in China as well, which, of course, we have really close proximity. But they took it, you know, as serious as if it was already spreading in Taiwan. So they did have some kind of um, border, you know, regulation. So they did semi-close the borders to where, like, you know, regular tourism was not allowed so people couldn't come mm-hmm. on like that 90 day travel visa anymore you had to have right. like some kind of id you know in order to get in the country which i think played a huge role in it and of course once you came in they um did eventually implement like quarantining that they were really strict on so they didn't just let you come in and go you oh, know okay. back into yeah. the country so i think they just had rules in place and yeah. you know in addition to that the people there listen, you know, there was no questioning of it. I know in America, there is a lot of different, you know, people have a lot of different feelings about it. Um, But in Taiwan, Mm -hmm. yeah, they didn't ask any questions. You wear your mask, you know, whatever rules were put in place, they were implemented and people followed them. And so I think that definitely was the reason um, they were able to keep the numbers down. I would think in your engagements with local Taiwanese um, people, how, I guess two questions, like how did they view America, right? And then Mm -hmm. how did your view of America change while being there? Um, So their view of America is like that they still, like that is still dreamland for a lot of people. Like Mm. to be from America or just to even get to America is like, a huge thing for people. And so I think for me, I had, you know, gone to a few places internationally before, but never for like a long period of time, like I did, you know, until I moved to Taiwan. And so you hear of things like that, but 
to actually experience that to like people for right. people to like be in awe of you being from America was definitely, mm-hmm. you know, surprised yeah, yeah, me. Yeah. I had never experienced that. So um, they have a lot of admiration for America. And I think for the way my view changed of it, um, you know, we talk about, I, 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 I'm going to reference back in 2020 when, uh, you know, the, the protests and George Floyd and all of that was going on. That mm-hmm. was, you know, while being in Taiwan, I kind of felt guilty in in a way because I wasn't mm-hmm. in America. You know, of course, I'm still affected by it. Um, right. But at the same time, it wasn't affecting my day to day in Taiwan. Yeah. We had like a rally um, that the brothers and sisters, a few people from the brothers and sisters of Taiwan group came up with. But, you oh, know, it that wasn't was their rally. I saw that over here yeah. on the Internet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So. You know, but on a day to day, it wasn't really a big thing. And that in that moment, that's when I realized, you know, being from America, like, I don't know, uh, I don't want to, I want to be careful with how I say this. I just feel like in America, (laughs) the things that we deal with, you know, discrimination, racism, while being in Taiwan, although people can clearly see that I'm a black person, when I tell them I'm American, like I still get some kind of privilege just because I'm American. Right. And and that right. was the first time I had ever experienced that because being a black person from America, it's just like, uh, you know, we kind of come in at the bottom all the time, but abroad, mm-hmm. just because you're American, like that's enough. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So that's that always been an interesting. Yeah. That's always been an interesting conversation or topic rather mm-hmm. where, Black people from Africa or Black people from the Caribbean are treated differently in Asia than Black people yes. from the United States and stuff like that. Was that something mm-hmm. you saw or like, were there a lot of other Black people from the diaspora there? Yeah, I definitely experienced that. And I think even for me, you know, my own entitlement and ignorance before I came, you know, like mm-hmm. you said, you see a Black person in the street and you say hello, but... I didn't realize, you know, until I got to Taiwan, there were a lot of, you know, black people that were from Africa and black people that were from America and the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there were differences, you know, there were clear differences between us and our cultures. And right. um, that was interesting for me. You know, I, I guess I had never been exposed to that many different kind of black people. I, I hope that makes sense yeah. before until I moved to Taiwan. And so yeah. that was interesting for me as well. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm not American um, myself, but mm-hmm. what I've noticed is being in America, you're sort of only socialized and expected to be Black in one way. Right. Um, mm-hmm. When you leave, you realize, like, Blackness is so different. It's so diverse. And so there's, like, Latino Blackness. There's African Blackness. There's, like, Arab black- Blackness. There's, you know, <laughs> there's yeah. Blackness everywhere. So, yeah. Yeah, I definitely appreciated that um, exposure. Right, right. So the, I, I mean, I, I'm being nosy. I want to know <laughs> how you are the only person, only Black person who I know went to Asia and found the love of their life. I want to know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is crazy. I, I know when we were speaking earlier, like I said, I was moving to Taiwan, you know, just to figure some things out. And I remember <laughs> right, I remember telling myself, like, yeah, I'm going to Taiwan. Like, I don't imagine 
anyone being out there, I have prepared myself. Like, yes, I'm going to be single. I'm going to get my stuff together. Like, I just knew, like, you know, this was the time that I was going to be by myself. And like you said, we're going to learn how to, you know, be by ourselves and um, just get that alone time with ourselves. And so, you know, lo and behold, I moved to Taiwan in February and my husband was a member of that brothers and sisters of Taiwan. (laughs) And so he, uh, at some point, because again, I had, I had prepared for this move about five months before I actually, um, you know, was able to come to Taiwan. And so within that time period, I had asked questions in the group and people from the Mm -hmm. group would, you know, add me on Facebook and I never thought anything of it. So at some point he had added me as a friend. (laughs) I don't remember you know, that interaction specifically, but we were friends on Facebook, but we had never Mm -hmm. spoken. And so (laughs) when I moved to Taiwan, you know, I didn't post anything on my social medias, but my mom had, you know, of course, posted pictures of us at the airport and she Mm -hmm. had tagged me, you know, just sending me my well wishes, you know, mom's everything (laughs) on Facebook. And so that showed on my profile. Uh, and so literally my second or third day there, I was still in the hotel. I hadn't even moved to my uh, uh, apartment yet. My husband had messaged me on Facebook. And of course, you know, I go on his profile. I'm like, oh, there's a black guy in my city. Like, perfect. <laughs> you know, like, yes, we're out here. You know, I was so <laughs> eager to just meet somebody. Right, so, right, um, right. Yeah, we happened to be in the same city because, again, I had touch bases with some other people, but they weren't in my actual city. And mm. um, he actually oh, lived in okay. my city. So I was like, perfect. You know, so we started yeah. conversing. And of course, he hit me with the, you need anything? Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking he's slick. That's a- <laughs> <laughs> And so that's literally how we hit it off. We hung out, you know, maybe I think nice. my first week or but within the first two weeks that I was there, we hung out and yeah, we started dating six months later. So, um, you Got know, it. we built up our, we yeah, built yeah. towards a relationship, but that, yeah, we literally met like within my first week or two in Taiwan. <laughs> That's so incredible. Like a crazy story, yeah. <laughs> they got whole YouTube videos like, oh, the love life out here sucks. There's no <laughs> dating. No one wants me because I'm black. There's no black people out here. And you find like people can't even find a husband in America. So literally, that's <laughs> literally. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So what did you did do you think that he played a big role in it? I mean, you talked about the different reasons why you decided, okay, it's time for me to come home. Do you think he played a big role in that? Absolutely, absolutely. At mm-hmm. first, uh, because he was in Taiwan longer than me. So, mm. um, you know, he was ready to go. And I think he, of course, stayed a little bit longer just because we were interested to see where our relationship would go. This was prior, Got it. you know, while we were dating. And, um, you know, at first I was like, I'm still trying trying to figure things out. You know, I wasn't really too excited about the move at first. But then, Mm -hmm. like I said, when I came back in January and just the weight of the pandemic and I think just, you know, personal growth, I was starting to see where he was coming from in terms of just thinking long term. Um, You know, with teaching, I enjoyed it, but that was not something I ever saw myself doing long term. And, Mm -hmm. you know, just in terms of moving forward, planting seeds for the future, I knew that this was something that we would need to do, not necessarily I wanted to do. Um, Although I was, you know, enjoying my time in Taiwan, 
it got to a point where I felt like time was just passing. And, you know, I was starting those, mm-hmm. those memories, you know, I just started feeling yeah. like I was missing out. And yeah. um, we kind of just wanted to start building a foundation for ourselves and for the future. Right. And so um, he definitely, you know, got to that point sooner than me. So yeah, he definitely yeah. played a role in me being able to say, okay, I'm ready to go back. Right, right. And then you made the decision and now you're back in the US. So like, yes. what's next? What what is anything next? Are you just staying still? Do you have something on your mind right now? Like, are you hit the ground running? Like, what's next? I think I'm at the point where I'm sitting still in a way, but at the same time, I think I'm at a point where, like I said, with moving abroad, that was a huge thing for a lot of people when I told them that. You know, a lot of people can't couldn't imagine that or fathom being able to do something like that. But for me it was just like it, the decision came so easy for me. And mm-hmm. when I came, when I yeah. went there, I, I still feel like I played it a little safe. And so there were things mm-hmm. that I, you know, was interested in prior to moving there that I think I wasn't able to do while I was there. And so those are still in my mind. And I feel like I'm at a point now where it's like, okay, you know, kind of now or never, are you either you're going to do this or you're not going to do this. Right. And so, right. um, yeah, for me, I am, you know, looking, I, I'm not working right now. And, you mm-hmm. know, just with you do, doing YouTube, I'm coming up on a year of my YouTube. And so I'm really looking to, I guess, take this to another level and really take it more seriously. Right. It kind of started off right. as a hobby for me. But, you know, of course, there's a ton of opportunities and possibilities that come from <laughs> online platforms sure. now. And I for really sure. want to just get my, you know, get more than my feet wet in this kind of creative, you know, outlet Mm -hmm. kind of world. So that's where I'm at. And um, yeah, yeah, that's literally where I'm at. Yeah, I think you'd said somewhere that you're starting a company with your husband. Yeah. So we started a recruiting agency. He was doing some, yeah, he was doing some recruiting out there, um, connecting teachers with schools out there he's fluent in Mm -hmm. chinese and he had been there a while he'd been there about six years and taiwan is really small yeah he went to school there oh he was um, ready to go (laughs) yeah (laughs) and uh once you get there you realize how small it is so you know once you meet especially the foreign community is really small too so um he had just started to meet a lot of people he knew a lot of people and so he was Mm -hmm. helping schools find teachers and so mm. it kind of just, you know, naturally came about. And we're like, you should, you know, really, you know, there's really something there. There's a ton of, you know, and at the time I was doing my YouTube as well. So, of course, I was getting people reaching out to me um, right. in terms of how right. to come abroad. And, you know, so it kind of just happened naturally. We're like, OK, you got the access to the schools. You know, I have access to the teachers and, you know, we kind of right. together. And, yeah, we've been doing that. Uh, unfortunately, COVID has kind of put a damper on that because, yeah, not letting anyone in the country. <laughs> so there's teachers, but they can't get there just yet. But oh, wow. once um, the borders are open. Um, so Taiwan internally is back to normal, but they've closed borders to, to foreigners? So the borders have been closed since like the beginning of the pandemic. Originally, it was just, you know, like the, no more tourists. And then progressively, they started to, you know, get a little more strict. And so... In May, there was a spike in COVID cases. We were getting like 
thousands of cases a day. And so we did go on lockdown um, in May, which is like crazy because we're like, you know, we're a year and a half into the pandemic. And so we went into lockdown. It was literally like I had six weeks left of the semester and we had started doing online learning. Like they shut, you know, pretty much everything down. You could go out to grocery stores and, you know, get your necessities, but restaurants like dining in restaurants, movie theaters and things like that were closed up until the country had, they had lifted that um, mandate literally the day before we left in July. So my last like almost three months in Taiwan, I was inside and um, yeah, they had completely closed borders. They weren't even letting people with work permits come I actually had a family member, a cousin who had a job offer. He had a start date and everything, but he could not get into the country. And so as far as I know, that is still in place. Um, I know it was in place in the end of July, but I I believe it's Mm -hmm. still in place now. So, um, yeah, there's people with literal, you know, job offers there, but they just can't get into the country. I think between, I mean, you just talked about your... um, your, your family member and, and the company you're starting, it seems like you would recommend Taiwan still to, to anyone who wants to go. Yes, I would. I think, you know, of course it depends on the individual, but if, if anyone is showing interest in it, I definitely mm-hmm. would recommend just trying it out. You know, whether it works out for right. you or not, that's for you to decide. But definitely if it's even on your mind and you have, you know, you're in a position to be able to do it. Absolutely. I would recommend people to just do it because you, you really don't know unless you um, do it. And so, yeah, absolutely. I would recommend it to people. If someone asks you right now, Nania early 2019 to Nania late 2021, what is the biggest change that happened? It's a super loaded question, but like. (laughs) It is. That's a good question. That is a great question, actually. <laughs> um, I, w- I would say the biggest difference now, I guess I have both experiences to take from. So when mm-hmm. I moved in 2019, I was more so like tr- looking for, you know, again, a different world, a different culture to experience and be really put in. And so now when I make decisions or now when I don't understand things or I'm trying to figure things out, I can pull from, of course, you know, just me being American and living in America and pull from my, you know, experiences and time in Taiwan. So I love being able to have that balance. And um, I think, yeah, just with making decisions and moving forward, I am easily, you know, just reminded of those experiences. So it's, it's, Mm those questions that I have and, you know, you know, moments of uncertainty, I definitely feel like I have more confidence moving forward now Mm -hmm. um, than I did in 2019. So it's the case where you're still not a hundred thousand percent sure where life is taking you, but you're now you're excited about it. Now you're confident to lean into the future, lean into the unknown and, and kind of push forward to be your best self in a way. Yeah. I think now, like, I like, with the things I wanted to do before I moved to Taiwan, it was more so just I always, you know, was a little interested in entrepreneurship and, you know, mm-hmm. just getting into creative outlets. But in 2019, I couldn't even admit that to myself, let alone say <laughs> it out loud, you know. And so right. now, two and a half years later, like I said, in Taiwan, I didn't really 
get to accomplish that because that was one of my biggest goals. It's like, I'm not coming back to America until I've successfully established a business so that when I go to America, I don't have to work a nine to five. You know, that was one of my big things. And of course, that experience and my time there had, you know, a different route. It had different lessons for me. But now I'm at a point where I know I can still make that happen. And I have, you know, the confidence I need in order to make it happen. Mm -hmm. So it's like the same. It's the same thing is on the plate, but now I just feel more confident moving forward with it. Whereas in two and a half years ago, I couldn't even admit mm. it. It was kind of just like, yeah. you know, things I kept to myself and I write in my little right. journal. And, yeah. you know, now I'm like, no, this is what I'm doing. And I'm, you know, able to stand on that a lot more confidently and believe in it. And, you know, at this point, it's just doing the work behind it. But um, I have no mm-hmm. doubts about it happening for me. Exciting, exciting, exciting. Yeah, I think we are at the end of today's episode. This was an incredible conversation. Yes, that's so fun. <laughs> Always good to, to talk to people who return from Asia. I think that's a perspective that we don't get a lot of. Mm-hmm. Um, growth and the change. Because I think Asia um, is one of the easiest places to go to as a Westerner. I'd like to go to and and, 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 to, and to, to live there and to set up shop there, whether it's mm-hmm. for like six months or a year or whatnot. But I think it's also one of the most transformative places you can be um, as a Black person as well. So thank you, Nanea, for an incredible chat. Um, hope you. you know, I wish you the best of luck. Maybe we could even chat some more about a, a, another topic when you, you Absolutely. Know, who knows? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Or if you're interested, I do have my YouTube too, so we can collaborate that way and we can yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and learn I, more about you. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'm not a front of the camera person, but I'll, okay. I'll do it for, 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 for you. I'll do it for you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that was so fun. Thank you so much for having me. Mm-hmm. Of course. Of course. So you take care. Thanks so much for the chat today. Thank you, Jordan. I'll talk to you. We'll be in touch. All right. Okay.